today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Go down the list. Okay, if I do this, these are the negatives. If I do this, these are the positives. So you get down to the end of the list, and if the positives outweigh the negatives, the pros outweigh the cons, okay, then I'm going to go and make this decision based on that. Well, God's saying, okay, you can do that all you want. The pros on the Egypt side of the column, you're going to need several pages. The pros for staying in Judah, you don't need any paper, actually, because the only pro is you're being obedient to me. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. Sometimes the Lord will place a cup before you, and sometimes it's not going to be good to drink. Look at Jesus. The cup of the cross the Father placed before him wasn't sweet at the time, but afterward there was great joy. In today's message, Pastor J.D. reminds us to trust in the Lord despite what it looks like in the natural. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's broadcast to hear how you can get your own copy of this message. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 44 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. You provoke me to wrath with the works of your hands, burning incense to the other gods in the land of Egypt where you've gone to dwell, that you may cut yourselves off and be a curse and a reproach among all the nations of the earth. Why, 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 why? Have you forgotten, verse 9, the wickedness of your fathers, the wickedness of the kings of Judah, the wickedness of their wives, your own wickedness, and the wickedness of your wives? Why is that there twice? Ponder that for a moment. Hmm. The wickedness of their wives. Oh, the wi- oh, I see. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A redundant redundancy, I guess. Again, <laughs> which they committed in the land of Judah, the streets of Jerusalem. Notice the question mark. Why? Answer verse ten. They have not been humbled to this day, nor have they feared. They have not walked in my law or in my statutes that I set before you and your fathers. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will set my face against you for catastrophe and for cutting off all Judah. And verse 12, I will take the remnant of Judah who have set their faces to go into the land of Egypt to dwell there, and they shall all be consumed and fall in the land of Egypt. They shall be consumed by the sword and by famine. They shall die from the least to the greatest, by the sword and by famine. And they shall be an oath, an astonishment, a curse, and a reproach. For I will punish those, verse 13, who dwell in the land of Egypt, as I have punished Jerusalem by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. By the way, that's almost verbatim, the prophecy in the book of Revelation concerning the seven-year tribulation. So that, verse 14, none of the remnant of Judah who have gone into the land of Egypt to dwell there shall escape or survive, lest they return to the land of Judah to which they desire to return and dwell, for none shall return except those who escape. We're going to see that more in a moment. But we need to talk about this too and work through this and not read past this. 
Ironic, isn't it? The irony of ironies in the sense that those in Egypt tried to save their lives and would lose it, whereas those in Babylon lost their lives and would end up saving it. Does that sound familiar? Um, let's, uh, let's answer the why question. Well, why question? Okay. Why? I mean, God is, well, of course, it's rhetorical. He already knows the answer. But why would they, after all of this, still go to Egypt when God tried to stop them? Why would they still go? Why would they disobey, not listen to Jeremiah, and still go to Egypt after Jeremiah just got done telling them, thus says the Lord, if you remain in Judah, you will have nothing to fear. Answer, they didn't believe. They didn't believe. That's the only answer that even comes anywhere close to explaining. In fact, they didn't believe that God would stay true to His Word. Unbelief. And in the place of the unbelief, and we're going to talk about this more in a moment, in the place of their unbelief, they put their trust in the arm of flesh. And is not Egypt in Scripture a type of the world? They're putting their trust in the, they actually believe that they're safer in the Egypt of this world than they are in the hand of Almighty God, in the land of Almighty God. Now one more thing on this, and I just, I just want to have this in place as we move forward. This is not in any way to excuse it, but it does in some way explain it. The logic, the the circumstances are such that staying in Judah would have made absolutely no sense at all. So why is God telling us to stay in Judah? The most logical thing that we could do, the best thing we could do right now is go to Egypt, because it's safe in Egypt. There's no problems in Egypt. There's no starvation. There's no famine. There's no war. They said as much. So on its face, this was a no-brainer in the realm of the logic, in the realm of the natural. And so they based this disastrous, deadly decision on the logic of it. It just made sense. And what God was saying absolutely made no sense. Here's where I'm going with this. Oh, we do err greatly when we make decisions in our Christian lives, based on what makes the most sense. And you know, sometimes, uh, by way of illustration, and for lack of a better one, we, you know, they, they have these, they're very secular. <laughs> uh, you know, the two columns, pros and cons. You know, the pros outweigh the cons. So you go down the list. Okay, if I do this, these are the negatives. If I do this, these are the positives. So you get down to the end of the list, and if the positives outweigh the negatives, the pros outweigh the cons, okay, then I'm going to go and make this decision based on that. Well, God's saying, okay, you can do that all you want. The pros on the Egypt side of the column, you're going to need several pages. The pros for staying in Judah, you don't need any paper, actually, because the only pro is you're being obedient to me. 
I know it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, it doesn't reconcile. It's not logical. But since when do we make decisions based on the logical? See, that's called sight, walking by sight. And sight is the antithesis of faith. They're, they're making this decision based on what they're seeing and what they just saw in Judah and what they're seeing in Egypt. Hey, this is a no-brainer, man. We're going to Egypt. That was a fatal mistake, and it would cost them their lives. So again, the takeaway, I think, from this, before we move on, is this. Be very, very careful when your decision is based on what makes the most sense. Because oftentimes it's God's will that you make this decision that absolutely makes no sense at all. No sense at all. It's called faith. It's called faith. And see, they did not believe by faith in God. They actually didn't trust Him, which is why they took matters in their own hands. They did not trust God to have their best interests at heart. They did not believe God. And so they went to the arm of flesh, and it cost them their lives. Verse 15, then all the men who knew that their wives had burned incense to other gods, with all the women who stood by, a great multitude, and all the people who dwelt in the land of Egypt and Pathros, answered Jeremiah, saying, As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. Um, oh, Jeremiah, <laughs> how do you think he felt right about now? They forced him into Egypt. He's not, he, <laughs> he's not there because he wants to. He's there because they took him there. And then here comes more verbal abuse, more false accusations, more spitting in his face. Uh, All you spoke, and isn't this interesting, all you spoke in the name of the Lord. Oh, so you admit it was the name of the Lord that Jeremiah spoke. Well, yeah, but it doesn't matter. We're not going to listen anyway. We're not going to listen to you. I know I'm, I'm painting myself into Jeremiah's count here, but I gotta believe that Jeremiah's heart just sunk. Um, You're not going to listen to me after all that you saw God do, and all of the prophecies from the Lord that I've given you, and you're not going to listen. I think his heart just broke for them, because they have no idea what they just did. They just signed their own death sentence. They basically, to their own peril, in refusing to listen to the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah, they've just signed their own death sentence. But verse 17, now this even gets worse, we will certainly do whatever has gone out of our own mouth to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven. Stop right there. What? Have you heard that phrase before? Okay. The Queen of Heaven was the goddess Ishtar. Now, I'm going to ruin Resurrection Sunday for you. Ishtar is, is the Hebrew. Astarte is Greek. It's where we get the English word Easter. So Merry Christmas. This was the goddess of fertility, the goddess of sex. And they were burning incense to the Queen of Heaven. And I have to say this, I'm not going to hold back like Jeremiah. Isn't it interesting that they refer 
to Mary as the queen of heaven in Roman Catholicism, I tell you, as God is my witness, it is demonic and straight from the pit of hell. Period. That's the queen of heaven. This is a false goddess. And God's people are burning incense to her. Oh, not much has changed. And pour out drink offerings to her as we have done. We and our fathers, our kings and our princes. How in your face and brazen is this? in the cities of Judah, and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then, watch this, we had plenty of food. We were well off and saw no trouble. But since we stopped burning incense to the queen of heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, we have lacked everything and have been consumed by the sword and by famine. The women also said, and when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings to her, did we make cakes for her to worship her and pour out drink offerings to her without our husband's permission? Oh, oh, that was good. The first sin, man blamed the woman. Here, the woman's blaming the man. We had their approval. That's why we did it. Well, wait a minute now. Am I... I just want to make sure I'm clear here on what you're saying. Are you telling me that when you were burning incense to the queen of heaven, that your life was just going so well, and as soon as you stopped burning incense to the queen of heaven and started obeying God, that's when everything was bad in your life. Okay. I spent a little bit of time on this. I'll make it very quick. Again, I'll just throw it out there. When you're in sin, sin is in you, and it corrupts you. It perverts you. It gets into your mind and into your heart so that up is down and down is up. Good is evil, and evil is good. For them to say that, you think they really believe that, or they just make an excuse? No, they really believe that. How is it possible that they could believe something so wrong? Because that's what sin does. And this is why it is that God, I've heard it said this way, it's, it's so good and it's so true. Sin is not bad because it's forbidden. Sin is forbidden because it's bad. In other words, God says in the tender commandments, Thou shalt not. Why? Because I love you so much. And in the day that you do this, it will destroy you. And I love you so much to see that happen to you. I'm trying to protect you from unnecessary disaster and calamity and catastrophe in your life. This is what sin does. It messes you up. The way you think. See, now you see God through your sin, not your sin through God. So it discolors and changes the whole complexion of everything. And you get so messed up, so perverted, so corrupted, that you'll say something like this and actually believe it. Yeah, you know, when I was um, uh, in the world sinning, man, my life was great. When I started walking with the Lord, man, my life was horrible. (laughs) Okay, 
Wow. Alrighty then. Man, that's messed up, isn't it? Then, verse 20, Jeremiah spoke to all the people, the men, the women, and all the people who had given him that answer, saying, What is the matter with you people? Verse 21. He doesn't say that. He says, The incense that you burn in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, you and your fathers, your kings and your princes, and the people of the land, did not the Lord remember them, and did it not come into his mind? So the Lord could no longer bear it because of the evil of your doings and because of the abominations which you committed. Therefore your land is a desolation and an astonishment, a curse, and without an inhabitant as it is this day. Because, verse 23, you have burnt incense, and because you have sinned against the Lord, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, or walked in His law, in His statutes, or in His testimonies, therefore this calamity has happened to you as it is this day. You brought it on yourself. Sin is its own reward. Moreover, verse 24, Jeremiah said to all the people and to all the women, Hear the word of the Lord, all Judah who are in the land of Egypt. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, You and your wives have spoken with your mouths and fulfilled with your hearts, saying, We will surely keep our vows that we have made to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and pour out drink offerings to her. You will surely keep your vows and perform your vows. This is Romans 1. God just says, okay. And He gives them over to their sin, their idolatry. No, you will. You just got done getting in my face saying, this is what we're going to do whatever we want. We want to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven. We're going to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven. Okay. Yes, you will, as a matter of fact. Therefore, verse 26, hear the word of the Lord, all Judah who dwell in the land of Egypt. Behold, I have sworn by my great name, says the Lord, that my name shall no more be named in the mouth of any man of Judah in all the land of Egypt, saying, the Lord God lives. Behold, I, verse 27, will watch over them for adversity and not for good. And all the men of Judah who are in the land of Egypt shall be consumed by the sword and by famine until there is an end to them. Yet, verse 28, a small number who escaped the sword shall return from the land of Egypt to the land of Judah. And all the remnant of Judah who have gone to the land of Egypt to dwell there shall know whose words will stand, mine or theirs. Oh, I love it when God does that. Uh, We'll see. Better said, you'll see. And verse 29, this shall be a sign to you, says the Lord, that I will punish you in this place, that you may know that my words will surely stand against you for adversity. And verse 30, last verse, thus says the Lord, behold, I will give Pharaoh Hophra, king of Egypt, into the hand of his enemies and into the hand of those who seek his life, as I gave Zedekiah, king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, his enemy who sought his life. And it happened. This exactly happened. Oh, how I wish I could end on a perkier note, but I can't. I do want to close this way, though. And, and we're almost done. I appreciate your patience. Man, just wow, right? Do you know that what we just read 
were, it's believed, the last recorded prophecies of Jeremiah in terms of the chronological order of events. Now when we pick it up, Lord willing, next week from chapter 45 on through chapter 52 to the rest of the book, it's, well, it's it's pretty rough, but it's the pronouncement of judgment on the surrounding nations. Chapter 45 again is about Jeremiah's scribe, but we just read, this, this, this turns the page, as it were, literally. We turn a corner now, starting in chapter 45. This is the end now of Jeremiah's prophesying and prophecies. We just read the last recorded one. Now, while Scripture is silent on whatever happened to Jeremiah, there is no silence on the part of those who speculate about what happened to Jeremiah. And I've always been taught that when the Scriptures are silent, I would do well to also remain silent as God deemed it necessary to have it. I wanted to find out what happened to that guy. I wanted to see him get his end. And crickets. You never hear from the guy again. And I think on the other side of that, the same thing is here again. God did not deem it necessary to include that in the scriptures. God has to have had a reason. Now with regards to Ishmael, I believe it's because the Ishmael spirit is alive and well today. The evil, I mean pure evil. This guy was pure evil. And I think you flip it around the other way, and the same thing is said about Jeremiah, that Jeremiah spirit is also alive and well today. And if you're anything like me, and I suspect you are, and I'll close with this, I really don't want to know. I've just grown to love Jeremiah so much as we near the completion of this amazing book. And if, if he met with a horrible death, as some speculate that he did, I actually don't want to know that. It's that saying in the secular sense, ignorance is bliss. Solomon in Ecclesiastes writes, with much knowledge comes much sorrow. I think that God may be sparing us from the sorrow of what happened to Jeremiah. So God is gracious, isn't he? There, I, you see how I did that? Yeah, Ended on it. yeah all right. Capone, come on up. Why don't you stand up? Wow, that was a good save, as they say, right? (laughs) Lord, thank you for Jeremiah. Tough stuff again, but good stuff. Lord, I, I know that we're all prone to come down really hard on these guys for what they did, but truth be made known, we were just as prone. Maybe not on such a large scale. It doesn't rise to the level of necessarily what they did, but in a smaller way, in our own way, we too, in our unbelief, don't trust you. We take matters into our own hands, and when we do, it's to our own peril. Lord, I think that's the lesson and the takeaway from these chapters. Lord, I just pray that we'll not just leave this here, that the Holy Spirit will begin that process as only you can, Lord, to just start blessing this to our hearts, the application of it to our lives, maybe searching our hearts if there's any areas in our lives that maybe we're getting too dangerously close to this, and you're saying no, you're directing us to stop and not go any further. Lord, you need to make it so clear that a fool could not err thereof. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the clarity and the strength of these chapters. We need that strength. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Jeremiah is one of those books that's not the easiest to walk through in the Old Testament. It's almost like you see the train wreck that's up ahead and you want to warn them, but they just don't listen. Then you have other verses in this book that are commonly claimed, but what does it really mean in the context of what's going on? Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. But if you're looking at the train wreck up ahead, you wonder, how does claiming that verse fit with exile and judgment? Ultimately, God's plan and purpose are to bring people back to himself in reliance and dependence on him, not in their own possessions or their comfort. The same could be said for you today. You may be going through something that seems like judgment or exile, but are you drawing closer to the Lord in the process? There's a future and a hope, but it may play out differently than you'd like. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Jeremiah, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com to find these messages. There are a variety of additional resources on our website. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and then come back for our next edition where Pastor J.D. will continue on in the book of Jeremiah. We look forward to that time with you here on In Spirit and Truth.